Today, the Supreme Court's ruling on affirmative action in college admissions. A federal court blocks Tennessee from protecting children from mutilation, and Biden says he's not big on abortion. Ha! Huh, that's a shocker. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, and today the Supreme Court smacked down the racist affirmative action policies of American universities in both a 6-3 and 6-2 ruling. The court found that the race-based admission policy of Harvard University violated Title VI of the Civil Rights Act and the University of North Carolina policy violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment, something that has been obvious to many of us with functioning brains for quite some time. The split was exactly what you would expect, with only leftist justices Sotomayor, Kagan, and Jackson dissenting. In the 69-page dissenting opinion, Sotomayor accused the majority of rolling back, quote, decades of precedent and momentous progress and cemented a superficial rule of colorblindness as a constitutional principle in an endemically segregated society. Ketanji Brown-Jackson, who recused herself from the Harvard case having graduated from the school and worked there as a former board member, added to the dissent, saying, deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. And having so detached itself from this country's actual past and present experiences, the court has now been lured into interfering with the crucial work that UNC and other institutions of higher learning are doing to solve America's real-world problems. Well, Justice Clarence Thomas slammed KBJ's opinion, saying that she locks blacks into a seemingly perpetual inferior caste. Such a view is irrational. It is an insult to individual achievement and cancerous to young minds seeking to push through barriers rather than consign themselves to permanent victimhood. He added, Justice Jackson's race-infused worldview falls flat at each step. Individuals are the sum of their unique experiences, challenges, and accomplishments. What matters is not the barriers they face, but how they choose to confront them. While I am painfully aware of the social and economic ravages which have befallen my race and all who suffer discrimination, I hold out enduring hope that this country will live up to its principles so clearly enunciated in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States, that all men are created equal, are equal citizens, and must be treated equally before the law. Well, President Biden called the decision a severe disappointment and made this weird, awkward comment at a press conference today. Watch. The Supreme Court has thrown into question its own legitimacy. Is this a rogue court? This is not a normal court. Should there be term limits for the justices, sir? Hmm. Okay. Here to discuss this and more, we have Pat Gray, host of Pat Gray Unleashed, and also Inez Stepman. She is the host of High Noon and also a Claremont Lincoln Fellow. Thank you for joining us. We always appreciate a little bit of, you know, extra estrogen at the table. So we're <laughs> glad that you're here. Um, so it just, the irony is not lost on me that you have both in Sotomayor and uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, um, Minority women who have risen to the mm -hmm. level that they are. I mean, you're talking mm -hmm. about uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, a Supreme Court justice. There's nine of them only. Yeah. Now, you could argue that affirmative action was what put her into that position, which is what I would say, um, especially seeming that she doesn't even understand what a woman is because she's not a biologist. But I digress because she is arguing 
that black people are somehow disadvantaged. And you always hear this argument from blacks and minorities who have managed to rise to the levels of achievement that they have risen to. And it's just very interesting to me that they hold that view while understanding that they themselves have achieved so much even while being black or Hispanic or whatever. Yeah. Pat. Um, you know, maybe before there was a president of the United States who right. was black. Right. You could make these claims before you had Supreme Court justices who were black, but you'd have to go back quite a ways. Uh, it's, it's asinine that they continue to make this claim. And it's interesting that the ruling uh, now does make it equal protection mm -hmm. under, under the law, and they're saying it does the opposite mm -hmm. of that. Um, I, it, it's just been unfair for a really long time, and they're used to it now, and they want to claim to be uh, victims still. Right. right. There, there is a certain irony in presiding over a case that in detail has laid out how there is a systematic preference in very important institutions as a pipeline of American power, Harvard, right? Mm -hmm. um, a systematic preference in favor of minorities and then saying that equality under the law actually constitutes, right, uh, being, being held down. There's an enormous mm -hmm. irony there. Mm -hmm. Th this case is a wonderful victory. We should take the weekend, 4th of July, celebrate Thomas Jefferson's words, right, about the equality of man. Um, and then we really need to understand this is the, this is the beginning, not the end. Um, these universities will do anything possible to continue to quote unquote racially balance their classes. Um, affirmative action, for example, has been illegal in California for many years. The people uh, of California, even the far left state of California, um, handily put in an amendment to the California Constitution banning racial preferences in the universities. But the UC system has been practicing it, again, for decades under holistic admissions. And, and this, this opinion does leave some wiggle room, for example, in the essay remark, right, that is mm -hmm. part of this opinion. You can write about how you overcame, you know, certain uh, diversity challenges based on your race, and th the schools can consider that. So this is going to be a long-term like lawfare. There's going to be a lot more follow-up cases as these universities try to wiggle their way out of it. And there needs to be a, a very, like, vigilant attitude from mm -hmm. the right about this, because this isn't going to be implemented well through the faculty lounge. Yeah, so what is... You said holistic admissions in California. So what do, what do they mean by that? It just means that they, they take, quote, unquote, everything into account. And this can be a good thing, right? You have small liberal arts colleges, obviously, mm -hmm. um, who, who interview every single applicant, and they're trying to get the best possible class. And, and oftentimes that goes to a, a ludicrous extreme, right, where they try to find, you know, a left-handed oboist to balance their class out, right? <laughs> um, but... But uh, really, a lot of in a lot of cases, these are smokescreens for racial preferences. Um, even Harvard doesn't say, "Oh, we just admit black right. people with lower scores right. into our school." Um, and but but I what I do think is very encouraging here is getting this kind of data from the admissions offices through this lawfare, right? Uh, through these lawsuits, I think the same tactic uh, would be very very effective, whether it's through leakers or through lawfare. Um, to get some of those da that data from large American corporations. Because the reality, contra the, the dissent here, right, the reality is that not only are universities uh, practicing racial preferences that preference black and Hispanic applicants, mm -hmm. so is every corporation in America. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. systemic racism argument goes the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just to, to add to your point, uh, and as uh, just at, like, 
the rate at which affirmative action has pushed, say, Asian Americans out is just mm. very alarming. Uh, we've got this graph here. So Harvard applicants, in uh, they have different chances of admission depending on their race. Here's Asians, 12.7% uh, chance. Whites, 15.3%. Hispanics, 31.3%. Blacks, 56.1% uh, acceptance rate. That is quite a difference there. Wow. Uh, you were talking about the Asians being discriminated mm -hmm. against. Harvard is specifically doing that and making no bones about it. We just had a story about a, um, an Asian student who had a 4.6 grade GPA. He wow. had 1590 out of 1600 on, I think it was the SET. Uh, and he had all kinds of accolades and awards and he was turned down by every single Ivy League school. No. Every single one. Harvard, Yale, Columbia, wow. Princeton, Stanford turned him down. They, they just, they're at a point right now where there's so many Asians who are qualified mm -hmm. that they're just turning them down purposefully. Yeah. Yeah. That's disgusting. Um, I want to, uh, I want to play the, uh, this is the former education secretary who was, I just, was just like, our heart is breaking for our democracy right now with this mm. awful ruling watch. Well, we don't know the, what the, how what the, these other states that already have banned affirmative action programs implemented that. I think that could provide a roadmap, perhaps, for the rest of the country. I mean, is there an alternative that some states that you know of have, they have been not able to? Well. How do you diversify without taking race into account? What are you diversifying? You're diversifying, you know, people's income. You know, Clarence Thomas, you know, he has criticized affirmative action. That's how, that's one of the reasons why he graduated from Yale. And we know that's so this one, one of the reasons why he's on the Supreme Court. Not the same clip so, that I was talking about, but, uh, so, le okay, all right, we got the right one this time. Let's play, uh, the, our hearts are breaking for democracy, watch. Look, it's heartbreaking for our democracy. Our democracy is stronger when our leadership is diverse. And um, moving to a place where selective institutions do not have the tool of race conscious admissions means that uh, we will see fewer black and Latino students in those institutions. We will see fewer black and Latino students prepared for leadership roles, whether it's in government, business, the military. And so it is now incumbent on us in the higher education sector to do everything we can mm. to preserve a commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I just like, how insulting is it? Very. To me, I'm like, I'm sorry, did you just call black and Latino people not smart? Yeah. So they can't get in on their own merits, I guess. You it's have you, It's so racist to me to say that uh, um, a minority has to have some sort of a handicap given to them in life because they're too dumb to be able to do it themselves. I don't understand how he doesn't hear the words coming out of his mouth and understand how freaking racist that is. Like, it blows my mind. It's... I think it's, it, it proceeds from a baseline, right? And, and the baseline assumption, I think Thomas Sowell lays this out very well. The baseline assumption here is that you're going to have perfect racial parity in every single aspect mm -hmm. of life mm -hmm. and that any deviation from that underlying parity, right, is is because of discrimination. Now, right. Ibram Kendi says this very clearly, right? He basically says this is why the whole system is racist, everything is racist, you know, 
showing up on time is racist, right. and blah, 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 right? Um, because he sees these disparities and he says that must be discrimination. And what the Supreme Court here is saying, no, that's not actually the constitutional regime that we have. That's a good thing. We have a colorblind regime based on equality um, and not on equality of outcome, not on group-based equality. Mm -hmm. it, I couldn't care less if right. there are 98% Asians at right. Harvard University, right? right. Um, but what, what mm -hmm. is really unfair is to take an individual who has gone through life, has, has um, you know, achieved at a certain level, and then turn it down. But honestly, I'm not that upset that Harvard and all these other, these other universities are going to continue to try to practice this. It is going to make those institutions less meritocratic. Mm -hmm. I hope that in conjunction with smart policy, we will be able to knock out the disproportionate influence that the universities of America have on American life. It's been such yeah. a pernicious influence from all the mm. cultural issues, right? We all know how far they lean left, right? We've been talking about it for 70 years. Um, but yet the American taxpayer and the two-thirds of Americans who do not go to, to a four-year university are subsidizing universities. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how they rail against everything that Martin Luther King stood for, yeah. isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, they're, they're the exact opposite uh, policy-wise of everything he stood for. And uh, but we're the ones who are racist and we're the we're the ones uh, who are keeping uh, black people down. Mm -hmm. It's really amazing. Yeah, it is. I, OK, I want to I want to throw one more up here. This is New York Times uh, tweet. They were breaking the news of the Supreme Court ruling, and they said, breaking news, the Supreme Court rejected affirmative action at Harvard and UNC. The major ruling curtails race-conscious college admissions in the U.S., all but ensuring that elite institutions become whiter and more Asian and less black and Latino. That's, a fa that's racist, guys. That's really racist and offensive. Oh, my gosh. Um, all right. Let's go ahead and let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be back with more. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Tommy John. So Tommy John, um, I, people think that I am being dramatic when I say I literally, as soon as I get into my house, I change into my Tommy John. Pat is smiling because I bet he's been there before. Mm -hmm. Exactly. They have got Same the place. most comfortable loungewear, pajamas, uh, men's like white t-shirts. Um, we have, my, my husband has them. I have, uh, you know, the loungewear. They've got men's underwear. They've got women's underwear. They've really expanded their lines to, to both men and women. But it's something that like you don't understand how comfortable and soft it is until you have actually gotten it yourself. Because I too, I would hear people like Pat Gray talk about it. And I'd be like, yeah, right. <laughs> it can't be that comfortable. You cannot be that passionate about clothes. Mm -hmm. Until you try it. Yes. And then you're like, holy crap, this is actually, I don't understand how they do it. I think it's like magic. I don't really care because it's super comfortable. They've got over 20 million pairs sold. And it's all backed by their best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. So you have nothing to lose. Keep cool and comfortable this 4th of July with Tommy John. You can get 25% off site-wide at tommyjohn.com slash why. That is 25% off. Do not skip out on this deal. It's a big one this time, guys. tommyjohn.com slash why. See site for details. A Tennessee federal judge 
partially blocked the Tennessee law intended to shield children from life-altering transgender procedures following uh, other federal judges who have blocked similar protective laws in other states. This is U.S. Di District Judge Eli Richardson, who granted a temporary injunction on the uh, against the ban on the cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers for minors, but did keep the ban on mastectomies and other uh, genital mutilation surgeries. So um, it's fascinating. I, I'll let me show you this ACLU tweet right here. They said, uh, breaking a federal judge has blocked a Tennessee law banning gender-affirming care for trans youth. Every federal court so far has blocked or rejected these bans as discriminatory and dangerous. And it's just fascinating to me because I wish I could just track with the judge's thinking because if you're going to keep in place the ban that actually, like, they, they, they are not allowed to mutilate themselves as a minor, I don't understand how you can't also say you're essentially castrating young men by administering the drugs that they, you're administering to them. You're still causing irreversible damage in a lot of cases. You know, you could argue like, well, sometimes it doesn't, but you don't know when those cases will be. So the potential for irreversible damage is still there, even when you're talking about uh, the puberty blockers and hormones. So why then should children not be protected from these life-altering decisions just because it's not the full mastectomy? It's still an irreversible procedure oftentimes. Yeah, I mean, they're playing with kids' lives here. Yeah. And they... Uh, they continue to do this, and uh, it's despicable. It, it, they would have a fit if we were talking about mutilation in, in Islam, mm -hmm. and they do have fits when we're talking about uh, Islamic genital mutilation, but it's perfectly fine for transgender mutilation, whether it's, uh, whether it's chemical or whether it's actual physical mutilation. It's still mutilation. And it's interesting because they continue to use these laws as cannon fodder that there's 600 nationwide that are anti-trans, anti-youth, when in every case that I know of, these are to protect mm -hmm. minors mm -hmm. and prevent them from, from doing something that is irreversible in their life that they're going to regret later. And the suicide rate is still incredibly high after they do these things. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fascinating too to hear them. Um, anytime you hold a position that that you just gave or that I would mm -hmm. hold, which is this is uh, damaging to kids, this is child abuse. They're like, you're anti-trans. I'm like, no. Actually, I don't know. I personally feel like I care more about these children than you guys do, mm -hmm. who are pushing them into these life-altering procedures rather than trying to help them navigate perhaps a tough childhood where your hormones are all over the place and you feel insecure in your own body. I don't know any person growing up who did not at one point feel insecure in their own body. And instead of saying, like, let me give you the time and the space and the help to work through this, we're like, maturity. yeah, why don't you chop your breasts off instead? <laughs> if you were a 13-year-old year old girl who feels secure in your body or felt secure in your body at 13, I question your sanity. Yeah, um, seriously. There's a reason the entire Western world is running screaming um, from this line, really has been regrettably pushed from America, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that, that these kinds of, what they are, let's call them what they are, the total experimental 
um, therapies on children that can, as you said, alter their lives for the rest of their, like these, we're talking mm -hmm. about fertility effects for mm -hmm. the rest of your life, we're talking about changing your voice for the rest of your life. Yeah. You become a medical patient for the rest right. of your life. You know, it, ideally we wouldn't have a whole bunch of 18 year olds or 20 year olds or 30 year olds who are tied at the hip to the medical system for the rest of their lives through no, you know, sort of defect or, or, or natural illness, but because um, mm -hmm. we as a society encourage them to, to mutilate themselves at a young mm -hmm. age. I mean, this is, this is going to be looked back at as Mengele experiments, but it, it's, it's very frustrating to me how somehow the left has convinced large parts of the right that, that there's no, um, we have no moral legitimacy to make laws that are in accordance with our values, mm -hmm. right? Yes, of course, we have a constitution. This is a, a liberal, small L, old liberal system. Um, that being said, that system allows for plenty of regulation and moral regulation in the states. And the left takes advantage of this all the time, right? In California, they, they tell you know, parents that, that they have no right to know uh, when their children have an abortion, when their, their underage minors have an abortion, right, go on birth control, and now whether when they mutilate themselves, mm -hmm. right? Um, so they use that authority all the time, but somehow when the right uses it or when red states use it, it's presumptively illegitimate. And half the right buys that, and they shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, it, it gets so um, uh, frustrating to hear from them, you know, because I the work that I do um, with Defend Our Kids Texas and we are fighting against the sexualization of children in Texas, we've done a lot of work with the drag shows, but really it's just kind of an overview, like, hey, we don't want pornographic literature in schools. Hey, we don't think that drag queens should be dancing provocatively in front of children. And, um, you know, a lot of the, uh, the, the, the arguments are, are kind of of that nature. And they go, well, I thought you were the party that believed in parental rights. And it's like, I, I don't believe in a parent's right to abuse their children. Like, I, I, it's really that simple. I don't understand why you think that you have a point there. We, as a society, have decided that we have laws in place to protect children from being abused by their parents. No parent has the right to go as far as they want to, right, anytime they want. Like, there are already laws in place to prevent them from doing that. I don't understand why you think that you can take that parental rights uh, issue and try to use it against me and weaponize it against me as if that's ever what we've advocated for. There's also an issue of truth here. These, you know, these children, are, and even adults, Right, are pursuing a lie mm -hmm. that will never be true. You mm -hmm. cannot change your sex. Right, right. Mm -hmm. um, if you are a man, you are born a man. You are going to be a man for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. and, and I think we've gotten caught up in not, you know, trying to be nice yes. and like polite to yes. people. But it's not impolite and it's not mean to tell someone the truth. Right. Doesn't mean you have to be nasty about it. Of course not. You don't have to like bully anyone or yep. be mean. But it's it's at this point, it's very much required to just say, this is an impossible thing to do. Mm -hmm. You will never be a woman. And all you're going to do is castrate yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and and mm. I, I don't know that the firewall between adults and children is is going to hold forever, right? If we glorify this yeah. in every way possible, but you can do it as soon as you turn 18, right? Mm -hmm. No, I think we actually have to assert the underlying truth. You can't change I your agree. sex. That's I agree. the end. Ever. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I think that's what Michael Knowles, well, I know that's what Michael Knowles was getting at in his speech right. that the left tried to, you yes. know, weaponize against him. The point is, like, if, if we're saying that this is a delusion and this is not reality, why are we still saying, well, but we should let adults do it instead? What, what's the magical change that happens at, on your 18th birthday? If, if a surgeon was going around chopping off people's legs on request, mm -hmm. on request, <laughs> right? You have somebody yep. who's not right in the head comes to a surgeon mm -hmm. and says, I would like my perfectly healthy legs removed because I feel like I shouldn't have legs. Right. Everyone immediately would say that surgeon is violating yes. the law and his oath 
to do no harm, yeah. right? This, this mm -hmm. is the same thing here, but because it has to do with sex, everybody is curled up in a ball about it, right. um, but it's no different. Yeah. And this, right. is, this is something that 10 years ago in medical journals, they called it mental illness. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden now, not only is it not mental illness, you can't even, you can't even hint that it's mental illness or you're a transphobe, you're right. a hater, you're a bigot, and they use all of their words against us, uh, all of their insults, and and try to make us cower and be afraid to call it what it is, and that is mental illness. So give them the help that they need mm -hmm. before you start chopping up bodies. Yeah. I feel like that's reasonable. I, I think it is. <laughs> it seems to be really reasonable. Yeah. Um, all right. Saying that there are two sexes is now controversial. Yes. So. Yeah. 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 And it'll get you like demonetized from YouTube, as I recently found out. <laughs> Shout out to the YouTube overlords. Um, all right. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We will be back with more, including Biden's uh, new comments on abortion. You're not going to want to miss that. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Refuge Ghost. So um, I actually I, I brought this to I had it in my purse because I was um, I was in a meeting the other day that I needed this for. So big tech and big data have shown us uh, time after time they're not on our side, but we're still giving them access to record our personal lives 24 seven through our phones because you may not know this, even when your phone is off, your microphone, your camera, your location trackers are still working. So um, if you're in this you know, very important, maybe top secret meeting and you think, well, I'll just turn off my phone and nobody can get access to the information that we're you know, exchanging, that's not the case. That is why you need Refuge Ghost Sleeve. It's made in America. It's from uh, American Buffalo Leather. It's beautiful. I don't know if you guys can really see like how beautiful this is. Um, and it blocks 5G signals that other Faraday sleeves miss and the only Faraday sleeve that blocks signal and sound. They have sound blocking panels on each side that keep conversations private. So if you need like your own personal skiff. It's right here. It's really easy to put your phone in, take it out uh, throughout the day whenever you need privacy. You cannot be too careful these days. You need the Refuge Ghost Sleeve. You can go to refugeprivacy.com. Use code Sarah, that's S-A-R-A, to save 10% off your order. That is refugeprivacy.com, promo code Sarah. During a speech in Maryland, uh, President Biden revealed that he apparently does not personally support abortion and express some discomfort with at least uh, late-term abortions. Here's the quote from the White House. He said, so I'm, you know, I happen to be a practicing Catholic. I'm not big on abortion. <laughs> but guess what? Roe v. Wade got it right. Roe v. Wade cut in a place where the vast majority of religions have reached agreement. Historically, the first three months or thereabouts in all major religions was that's between a woman and her doctor. The <laughs> next three months is between, I mean, just a woman and her family. Mm. Next three months is between a woman and her doctor. The last three months have to be negotiated because you can't, unless you're in a position where your physical health is at stake, you just can't do it. Which is, I would say, <laughs> in complete contrast to uh, earlier this week when he promised that he would veto any bill that came to his desk that would outlaw abortion. Watch. Republicans in Congress have proposed three national abortion bans just this last year. Mm. Well, make no mistake about it. If somehow Congress were to pass a national ban, I will veto it. Um, 
lot to dissect, I feel like, in just that one short little quote. Yeah. A, Joe Biden saying, I'm not big on abortion, kind of. Since when? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, came out when? of left field. I, is this new? Like, did you just decide this? I did not know you to not be big on abortion. Um, and apparently all, what, the vast majority of religions have reached agreement um, uh, no. That it's between a woman <laughs> and her doctor. That's news to me. I love it when he pulls these facts right out of his rectal cavity because <laughs> uh, that that's nonsense. And yeah. everybody knows it. Uh, I, I don't know any major religion that says abortion for the first three months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's between a woman and her doctor. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Do you? I, I've never <laughs> no. heard of that. What, I can't think Christianity, of Judaism, Mm-mm. Islam. Is that Mm-mm. what we're talking about here? Yeah. Uh, that's that's garbage. That's a complete lie. Uh, it's fascinating. Um, it'll be interesting to see if anybody fact checks him on that because it's just not true. And then his back and forth here. Then the next three months uh-huh. is between. The woman and her family, then it goes back the next three months to be being between a woman and her doctor again. Right. Really? Huh. That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, and then I'm. Uh, and then I'm, the another the three months. So now we're into a year. A, the, Are the we talking about an <laughs> elephant gestation here? Uh, <laughs> just say, aren't there four trimesters? In, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, wow. frankly, this is a lot of words for Joe Biden. Let's yeah, yeah. it is so a we, lot of words. We, for can, him. we can grade on a curve. He got a lot of words out. <laughs> they didn't make any sense, but no, but I mean, the words is, were spoken. Yes, the words were spoken. But um, no, this is what Joe Biden is there for for the Democratic Party. He is there mm-hmm. to launder the party's extremely radical mm-hmm. and unpopular cultural views on a whole host of topics because he's moderate seeming. Yeah. He says the right things when he goes out there. He's also the only Democrat left on, on their side of the aisle practically. Um, there's a couple exceptions, but on the national level, who can talk labor politics, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the way like 1990s Democratic Party used to do. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, as we noted, his ability to talk labor politics or anything else is declining over time. But that's why he's so central um, to to the Democratic Party is because he he can his administration can do the most radical things possible. Like on the the subject we were just on, on the definition of sex, his administration has redefined the word sex to mean gender identity. His his administration says, I don't know what a woman is. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then Joe Biden goes out there and people think, oh, this is a pretty moderate guy. Like he seems pretty middle of the road because he so I mean, I think it is strategic. I don't know if it's strategic on his part or right. on the part of, you know, his puppet, his, masters. his handlers, yeah. or the administrative state or whoever writes the cue cards on his pudding cups. But right. um, it is strategic. It is fascinating, though, because, you know, you'll recall in the uh, Democrat primary last time we did this, Tulsi Gabbard, I, re- I remember in one of their debates, made basically made that same statement just a little bit better worded. And she said, um, I don't believe in late term abortions was what she said. And mm-hmm. they lambasted her for being, I mean, right. it was, that was like a right wing talking point from Tulsi Gabbard that we were supposed to believe that, yeah. oh my gosh, you can't say that you don't believe in late term abortions. You have to believe in a woman's r- reproductive health care up until the point of birth. And so it's just fascinating to watch them. I mean, I'm sure that, well, I don't know, you would think that they're going to carry the water for Joe for saying this, but when Tulsi Gabbard said it, she was she was uh, lambasted for it. So well, I think he will be too because you really? can't you can't be against late term abortion in the Democrat Party anymore. Yeah, they don't allow it. Yeah. it's it's unacceptable. 
and for him to say that you can't do it mm -hmm. uh, is, I, I think he's going to suffer for that from, in the party. From, from the all party. of the radical, yeah, yeah because that, I, yep. I feel like, I think, and that's what you're saying, I, I totally agree with that, like, the establishment is like, this is, like, we need you to seem moderate to all of these people, but the problem, I feel like, is they've created, in all of their radical rhetoric, they've created all of these, like, crazy radical robots who are out there who are like, yes, this is our entire identity. My identity mm -hmm. is that I believe in abortion up until the point of birth, and then sometimes after, like, Governor Ralph Northam told me, and, like, if you deviate yeah. from that at all, they're like, they can't compute. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you're right. Uh, I, I think mm -hmm. that he will probably get blowback about this, but I think the wiser heads in the Democratic Party yeah. understand that actually this has no effect, right? Joe Biden saying that third trimester abortion or fourth trimester abortion, I don't know in that <laughs> statement, but um, it should be, you know, shouldn't happen, right? That's a view that the overwhelming majority of Americans actually agree with, including a lot of Democrats. Mm -hmm. um, but that's why Joe Biden goes and says that there's absolutely no policy follow-up. You saw the policy follow-up, right? He's going to veto anything. Right. I guarantee you if Republicans put a national ban just on the last trimester, yep. that he Joe would Biden say. would veto it yeah. because his administration yeah. Yeah. is yeah. pumping out mm -hmm. extremely radical cultural policy, yep. but then they trot him out there to say something like this. Um, and a lot of people don't look beyond that. They said, oh, he's 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 reasonable like me. And I think it's been very valuable to them. I don't think they have anyone waiting in the wings who can do that. Yeah. Um, so I want to switch gears here before we have to go to break and uh, give you the latest on the manslaughter case against Jordan Williams. He was uh, charged with stabbing De Victor Wadrego to death on a Brooklyn J train. So this is I'm just to me, this Jordan Williams is like the black Daniel Penny. Basically, um, they, this, these both happened within, what, a couple months of each other. Um, and Jordan Williams, th I mean, thank God, uh, his charge has been dismissed. So the grand jury decided not to indict him after reviewing video footage and hearing witness testimony that supported his claim of self-defense. Uh, the footage showed the, uh, the deceased choking him and assaulting his girlfriend before Williams resorted to stabbing him. And I want to play, this is uh, Jordan Williams a few days before the grand jury hearing detailing uh, what it was like that day. Watch. You know, now you're charged with manslaughter. How... What was going through your mind when uh, this man was near you and your girlfriend? Honestly, I was afraid because I didn't know what was going to happen because he was closer to her than to me. So I was honestly just trying to get me and her out of there safely. I didn't know what to do. It was all quick. And I regret it every day. I wish she didn't have to go like that, honestly. Like, all I wanted to do was just get me and my girlfriend off the train safely. It wasn't... I wasn't looking to hurt anyone. It was nothing malicious on my part. And when I found out, I literally couldn't believe that he had actually passed away. Uh, so, I mean, I would call this a win, especially in New York City, where they're trying to make it illegal yeah. to defend yourself or the people around you. Absolutely. Um, be interesting to see if, if he were white, if he, if he would have been cleared of that. Um, because in the case of, obviously, Daniel Penny, um, he is, and so he wasn't, mm -hmm. and so he's going to have to go through the trial, and uh, they're pushing that issue, um, and I think that's because it's got a racial element to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah.
Yeah, look, I, I take these trains every day. Um, the real culprit mm. here, and obviously uh, I'm glad that uh, that he was able to get off on this mm -hmm. charge, is obviously self-defense. Yeah. Daniel Penny was also obviously acting in, in, not only in self-defense, but in defense of others, mm -hmm. right? Um, the, the real culprit in all of this is are the people making the political decisions in the, sta in the state and in the city of New York that are putting these kinds of impossible moral dilemmas in front of people who just want to commute on mm -hmm. the subway. They just want to get home to their kids and and the city has decided to let a bunch of people who are completely out of touch with reality mm -hmm. wander around it's not good for them you know so you know um jordan neely the the man that unfortunately died after being choked by daniel penny uh, he never should have been on that subway yeah. train yeah. he should have been in jail yep. or in an insane asylum yep. Um, and, and then he would be alive. Mm -hmm. But the real people uh, who are at fault here are the powers that be in New York City. Um, fortunately, look, I'm, I might be wildly optimistic on this, but I, I actually think um, I think Daniel Penny has a good chance to be acquitted by a New York jury. I really? think this is kind of like the, the, the Getz case back, if anybody remembers that, back in the 80s, right, about mm -hmm. self-defense. I think there are just too many people in the city, no matter how liberal or out of touch they are, um, who have been on a, on a locked train car mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with someone who is out of control and making threats, and they've felt what yeah. that feels like. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I, I hold out some hope, actually, for, for a jury. You know, our jury systems are the least rigged things, I think, that, that we have, because they come from the bottom up. They come from the average American. And I think even in New York City, you know, there's a very good chance that a New York jury will look at Daniel Penny and say, you know what, not only should we acquit this guy, this guy is a hero. Mm -hmm. He did the right thing. It's mm -hmm. a regrettable thing. And really, the people who are at fault, they're sitting in City Hall. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Um, all right, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be back with more. Uh, it's Hopefully they'll get jurors in the subway. Right. Anheuser-Busch CEO Brendan Whitworth appeared on CBS's morning show this week, and uh, he had no regrets about the pushback on Bud Light for their partnership with Mulvaney, but he gave, like he's asked about it, and it was kind of a non-answer watch. Given the moment we're in, this moment in America with trans issues at the top of a Republican social uh, or conservative uh, political agenda, knowing what you know now, if you could go back, would you send this can to this one person again? There's a, a big social conversation taking place right now, and big brands are right in the middle of it. And it's not just our industry or Bud Light. It's happening in retail. It's happening in fast food. Mm -hmm. And so for us, what we need to understand is deeply understand and appreciate is the consumer and what they want, what what they care about, and what they expect from, from big brands. Wow. <laughs> Diplomatic. Uh, later, by the way, in the interview, uh, the host kind of pushed back on him a little bit, like, hey, you didn't really answer the question. And he responded, Bud Light has supported LGBTQ since 1998, so that's 25 years. And as we've said from the beginning, we'll continue to support the communities and organizations that we've supported for decades. But... As we move forward, we want to focus on what we do best, which is brewing great beer for everyone. That's debatable. <laughs> listening to our consumers, being humble in listening to them, and making sure we do right by our employees. Wow. That, mm. that extensive media coaching, I think, on that non-answer twice. Yeah, no question. Um, but, you know, maybe they should have thought of that before uh, the whole trans situation and focused on their customers mm -hmm. instead and and brewing a great beer, if that's what they actually do. I, I, don't, I don't have any experience yeah, with know. Bud Light, so it, I wouldn't know. I'm going to tell you a spoiler alert, Pat. Yeah. It, it's not good. Not beer. good? No. Okay. No. Um, so I'm going to continue my boycott of Bud Light. <laughs> okay. 
and uh, every other beer. Decades now. Yeah, decades. <laughs> and uh, it's just, it's sad that everybody thinks they have to bend the knee to that community. And I, stay out of it. I, I don't think they should be involved in any of these things, actually. Stay out of abortion, stay out of the LGBTQ situation, stay out of it. Sell your product and shut up about it. That, yeah. That would be nice. It, so it is fascinating because Pat mentions, you know, like stay out of it. And, and he even says in his in his uh, interview right there, he's like, well, this is something that many corporations are facing. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, because you're all getting involved right. in politics. You could yeah. just, I don't know, sell your crappy beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, right now, corporate America is doing this two-step dance, right, which is they aggressively weigh in on very controversial cultural hot-button issues. Not only do they weigh in in public, like, with a deal like this, right, um, but they, they also weigh in in a more sort of... Uh, aggressive position where you have companies like Disney or like Delta in Georgia were actively lobbying, um, you know, to stop, for example, uh, some of the, the minor protective bills that are going through Florida mm -hmm. or in, in yeah. Georgia. Mm -hmm. They were taught, you know, there were voting protection um, laws that were going through and they initiated a boycott. Um, so they, they do this two step dance where they want to say, well, you know, we're going to get heavily involved in politics, but the second you start treating us like political actors, oh, oh we're a private company, we stay out of it, right? Um, this is, this is, I think, a BS dance that conservatives are fed up with. Mm -hmm. um, I think this boycott is enormously encouraging to, to keep seeing Anheuser-Busch take the hit for this. I think it was important to just single out one bad actor and, and make, it, make an example, mm -hmm. right? Um, in other industries, it's going to be harder, right? So, for example, if we think about banking, every major yeah. national bank does a ton of woke stuff, yep. mm -hmm. right? So there's no real place to go. Where whereas go? The, the beer market, you actually have a consumer mechanism right. to actually to express your dissatisfaction. You can just drink any other crappy light beer, right? right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that this is a good example. It's very encouraging, but it's going to take more, I think, uh, legislation, more strategic thinking in terms of how we take this and build on it in industries like banking or industries like, you know, any of these like major multinational or national corporations. It's going to be a little harder. Yeah, I, um, I, I tend to agree with you. You know, I sometimes I will give women kind of a hard time because it's like, oh, great. It took the males who all drink Bud Light to actually take a stand against all of this transgender nonsense. But all kidding aside, I do understand because it's like, well, when they're attacking, you know, when you have Dylan Mulvaney doing a podcast with Ulta and talking about how he can't wait until he's a mom or whatever the hell he said that was so weird. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, where else are you going to get your makeup from is, I think, the predicament that the women are yeah, in. Sephora is doing the same thing. The same right? thing. Exactly. It's so it's like, well, where else do you go? I call it cultural collusion, and I'm open to maybe you have a better idea of what to call it. But um, it, it, you know, when you talk about, for example, antitrust or like collusion between big companies, and we talk about a monopoly, yeah. right? That's that's short circuiting that that feedback, that market feedback from customers. I want this product. I don't want this product, right? Yeah. Uh, because there's really only one actor. Even though there's not one actor in a lot of these these um, sort of markets, there is one cultural view. They all went through the same universities. All the CEOs have basically the same politics, right? Um, they're mm -hmm. weighing in in the same direction. And so even though they don't have a monopoly in terms of the economic side, mm -hmm. they have a monopoly on the cultural side. And I think mm -hmm. we're, we're going to have to find a way to break that monopoly, yeah. ultimately. Well, there is one way in the makeup sector. You can break that monopoly. You can go to AmericanBeautyBySarah.com. <laughs> We'll be right back. Smooth. Yeah. Smooth. <laughs>
Vice President Kamala Harris went on a podcast hosted by actress Kiki Palmer called Baby, This is Kiki Palmer and started talking nonsensically about uh, Converse and how she would like to come up with a Freedom Line watch. Will we ever get a Madam VP Converse line? Oh, that's interesting. I do love my Converse. I mean, you wear them well. I have all kinds of different colors and <laughs> high top and low top. That's I prefer funny. the low top. If mm -hmm. I did... I'd probably want like a, like a freedom line, you know, right? Yes. Can you see that? Where Absolutely. It would be some freedom would be on on the Converse, mm. you know, freedom, freedom to be, Absolutely. freedom to. I am free. Right, freedom right. To. I am free. Okay. Freedom march. Freedom to to walk Madam, my talk. Madam <laughs> VP Kamala Harris's freedom, freedom line. Freedom line. <laughs> freedom to walk my talk. Freedom! Wow, she's really bad at this. Really bad. That's yeah. your vice president, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> By the way, Joe Biden, uh, how old is he? 105? Mm -hmm. Next in line, mm -hmm. right there. Ganesh, mm -hmm. parting thoughts. And neither of them can say a word. <laughs> they, really, they really can't. No, the Democratic Party is in trouble with this. That's why I think mm -hmm. actually Biden, you know, for obviously I think he's been a terrible president. America has suffered uh, because he is president. But actually, I think they're really desperately holding on to Joe Biden because they don't want that. Yeah, they, they, I agree. They don't mm -hmm. want Kamala. Democratic voters did not want mm -hmm. Kamala. I agree. In, in 2019, they took yep. one look and ran yep. the opposite direction. Yep. Americans are going to do the same thing, right? So, I mean, they're in trouble. Again. This is the problem with affirmative action. Right there, you just saw it, guys. <laughs> Thanks for being on. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.